Good morning, everyone. Today, you might be reeling with the news of another SNAP lockdown. Um, or you might be feeling the effects of, of what's happening around the world, especially in Afghanistan. And um, I even personally question if I should change this message today to meet our congregation where they're at. Perhaps you might be feeling depleted or, or weary or losing hope. But God reminded me that this message today is the message to share and not to change it. Over the course of the last few weeks, we have been traveling through the book of Acts, learning about our one mission that we have as a, uh, as a church, that Jesus calls us to bear witness. Uh, the strategy from Acts 1.8 says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses to Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. We've learned that, um, that we are empowered by the Holy Spirit to do this, that despite the circumstances surrounding us, that, that God will continue to build his church. Last week, Anthony shared about the message that we carry and the power and the impact it has to transform and to change us. So here we are coming to the latter part of the book of Acts, where Paul begins his missionary journeys. And in Acts 13, we see that he is set apart to do the work for which he was called. Acts 13, 2, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. As believers, we have the message of hope to share with the world how we live and how we breathe, how we respond and how we reflect Jesus, especially in times of trouble and hardship in bearing witness to him is now more important than ever in capturing people's hearts for Jesus. Our reactions are what people are watching as they question what they know. Where do we get our hope from? Where's our joy coming from at a time where there shouldn't be joy? Why do you have security when there is so much insecurity around us? We know it's not found in the things of this world. But are we living as though we believe that that's true? We have been set apart for the work in which he has called us in his master plan. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you that we have this time together. I especially want to lift up those at home that are deeply impacted by the changes that have happened just over the weekend. Father, I pray that you would um, comfort them, guide them. But Lord, I pray that you would also bring them life and encouragement today. I pray, Father, that they would see you in whatever it is that they're facing today. Father, may we be reminded of the hope that you have given us. Lord, we pray that we would be great witnesses to the things that you have done in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So I don't know if you've come across an extremely passionate person. I mean, of course, other than me. <laughs> um, but a passionate person, someone that is so passionate about something that nothing else seems to matter or you can never change their mind about it. Um, I know that my husband, for instance, is very passionate about health and fitness. And so health and fitness 
are, are a primary focus in his life. Um, you can be passionate. I found on staff that we have many of us that are very passionate about coffee and how it's brewed and where you buy it and what kind of coffee and uh, what version do you use. There's, there's people in our congregation that I've talked to that uh, are very passionate about sport, um, maybe cricket or um, cycling or running or basketball. Um, your whole life is shaped around these times. If you've kept, caught the Olympics last lockdown, um, I saw some very passionate people that were motivated and focused on, on, on um, doing everything that they could to achieve their goals of winning a medal. People can be uh, passionate about art and design, craft, study. I know of someone that is so passionate about learning that even on holidays would love to watch lectures. Um, there's all sorts of things that we can be passionate about. And one thing that I've found about passionate people is that they're often very committed to or single-mindedly focused on this passion and seeing it succeed or, or making it a priority in their life. They're motivated to, to make things happen despite the cost, and they're willing to take big risks no matter what the consequence. As we look at the book of Acts, we find Paul, and he is one of the most passionate and bold and motivated and determined and focused and committed followers of Jesus that I've ever read about, willing to take any opportunity and any risk, no matter what the cost, to share about the hope that he has in Jesus Christ. Everything he did was an opportunity to share the good news of Jesus and further the kingdom of God here on earth. Now, what does it mean to further the kingdom of God here on earth? His passion and his purpose was for everyone to place God as authority and Jesus as savior in their lives, in their households, and in their communities. His message was about compelling people to believe that Jesus was the Messiah that they'd been waiting for and to follow him. In Acts 9.15, we find that uh, Paul is an instrument whom God has chosen to bring his name before Gentiles and kings and before the people of Israel. Paul is the instrument whom God has chosen. And if you remember previous messages, we, we learned that Paul had a massive transformation. When he used to be Saul, he was the destroyer of the church. He was absolutely passionate about destroying the church. And this was God's chosen. God uses Paul as his instrument because he knows the impact that he is going to have in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of their known earth. Who he was. Why did God choose Paul? Because of who he was. First, he was a Jew. Who to speak to the Jews than a Jewish person. Also, he was a Pharisee. Who better to speak to the Pharisees than a Pharisee himself? And where did Paul come from? That's right, he was a Roman citizen. So his impact would be a great one just because of who he was. God radically changes Paul and he chooses him to use him to impact the nations for Christ, to, to plant churches and, and to take this message of hope to the ends of the earth. Now, the kind of people 
God uses. The kind of people that God calls sometimes seem like the most unlikely candidate. Story after story I hear where people cannot believe that God has used them to impact the nations. Have you ever second-guessed yourself? Have you ever second-guessed the things that, that God has called you to do for his glory? Maybe for reasons such as, oh, that, that can't be for me. I, I, I can't be that influential. I'm too much of a mess to be used by God. I'm not, I'm not trained enough in that area. Well, I have news for you. Even in our inadequacy, we are God's master plan. We are actually the only plan for spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. There is no contingency plan. During COVID lockdowns, we, we get really good at planning A, B, C, D, Z version. But when it comes to spreading the gospel, sharing the hope of Jesus Christ and bringing the kingdom of God here on earth, it is through his Holy Spirit in us and a willingness to be used that we will impact the nations for Christ. We are his partners. We are God's partners. We are the, the carriers of hope to this discouraged and hopeless world. We are the, the hands and feet that, that bring restoration to the broken. We bring light to where there is darkness. We bring comfort where there is sorrow and joy, where there is sadness and peace, where there might be chaos or distress. We carry life where there is death. And God's strategy to save the world. We are his plan. We are the called. We are God's master plan in sharing this faith of Jesus Christ with the rest of the world. If we call ourselves Christians, if we call ourselves followers of Christ, then we are called and we are mandated, as in Matthew 28, verse 19, to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that he has commanded. We are God's master plan. And when we look at Paul's missionary journey and his response to the call, we can learn a few things. The very first thing I can learn through Paul is Paul spoke truth in confidence. I don't know if you've ever had the privilege of walking along beside someone who's found Jesus for the very first time. There's nothing more refreshing, nothing more exciting than hearing a new believer explain their conversion experience. And often the transformation is so life-giving that they, they can't help but tell everyone else around them. And that's what happens to Paul. As soon as he becomes a Christian, he begins to tell everyone around him about his transformation and that he has learned that Jesus is the Messiah that they've been waiting for. In Acts 9.20, we read, At once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. All those who heard him were astonished and asked, isn't, isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on this name? Hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. Paul is not ashamed, and he's not worried what others might think about what he has to say. Even in the face of, of believers, believers who doubted his conversion, his objective was that at all costs, this message must be heard. 
even if people didn't like him. In Acts 17.1, when Paul and his companions had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a Jewish synagogue. As was his custom, Paul went into the synagogue, and on three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and, and proving that the Messiah had to suffer and rise from the dead. This Jesus I am proclaiming to you is the Messiah, he said. And this personally challenges me because I wonder how confidently do we really speak the truth of Jesus Christ to those around us. I think about my circle of friends, maybe um, school drop-off zones, cafes, or, or the supermarket. How confidently do I speak the truth or reflect Jesus or bear witness to him? Which brings me to my second point, that Paul uses every opportunity. When Paul entered his city, we just read, what else does he do on a Sabbath day? But he attends the synagogue. And what does he do? He uses it as his platform to preach his message. At um, Acts 14.1 at Iconium, Paul and Barnabas went as usual into the Jewish synagogue. In the text before we read, was his custom. Throughout Paul's missionary journey, he continued to preach in the synagogues. But you know what? Paul's message was not just a Sunday or Sabbath day message. It was an everyday, any opportunity message. He'd preach in both big audiences and small. He'd preach at the synagogues um, in front of the Sanhedrin, which were the teachers of the law. He'd, he'd preach in front of crowds who wanted to kill him. He stood before high priests, the king, and governors. But he also had personal encounters. Like in Acts 16, where he goes and he meets the women at the river when they go there to pray. And Lydia becomes a believer after they share about Jesus with her. Or when Paul and Silas are in jail and the jailer thinks, oh no, they've escaped and he's about to kill himself. And Paul and Silas, instead of fleeing and running because now they, they're free, they spend time with the jailer sharing the news of Jesus to him. And he and his whole family believes. From big audiences to, to personal encounters, the message translates to every scenario, to every person. And everything Paul does, whether he was bound or whether he was free, Paul uses every opportunity before him to share the good news of Jesus Christ. This week, um, as I was preparing this message, I went to pick up my kids from school and I had this conversation with my daughter and she's eight years old. And she said to me, guess what, mom? I told somebody about Jesus at school. And I was thinking, wow, because honestly, we don't really train them to go and tell others about Jesus, which maybe in reflection is something that we could talk about a bit more. But she said, yeah, I told them about Jesus. And I said, well, what did they say? And she said, well, I said to them, you might find this hard to believe. But her friend responded back, I don't find that hard to believe. And so Aaliyah proceeds to bring her to Jesus, which is exciting. And then she tells her friend, I'm going to bring my Bible tomorrow and tell you even more. So that night, of course, we have lots of questions. And that was a great time of just spending time with her talking about these things. The next day, she brings her 
Bible to school. And we're kind of saying, you know, if people don't want to hear or listen, you don't have to make people. But she was so excited to share about Jesus with her friends. So then she tells more of her friends and another one of her friends comes to know Jesus. In the meantime, she finds that two other of her friends also already knew about Jesus and that encourages her. And she continues to tell them about Jesus. I was personally challenged by this story. Why, why is it so hard for me to share the gospel? And I said to her, what made you decide that you wanted to share the news of Jesus with others? And she said, isn't it the greatest thing that you would ever want to tell anyone? Why wouldn't we want to tell everyone the message of Jesus? How can we be using every opportunity before us to share the good news of Jesus. Point number three, Paul continues his journey even in the face of persecution. It's wonderful when people believe, when you tell them about Jesus, but not everyone believes right away. There are times where we are going to share our faith stories with people and they might not believe and they might not accept his message. But that doesn't deter Paul from the urgency of sharing this message, this news. And sometimes I wonder if we lose sight of the power of the good news that we carry and we worry too much about what people think. If I share too much, I'm going to turn them away from the gospel. What if I don't have all the answers when they ask me? Or am I going to look stupid if I share my faith and I've shaped my life around it and they won't understand? But then it begs the question, what if we don't share this message? We might be missing out on many coming to know Christ because of our own fears. 1 Peter 3.15 says, Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give you the, the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. With gentleness and respect. Paul wasn't discouraged even in the face of persecution. Acts 13.49, they, which are the Jewish leaders, stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas, and they expelled them from the region. So they, which are Paul and Barnabas, they, they shook the dust off their feet as a warning to them, and then they went to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. They shook the dust off their feet and they moved on, still being filled with joy. They didn't let persecution or circumstances around them or being expelled from a region steal their joy. Paul shares a message with everyone in hopes that everyone believes. In fact, he believes in this message so much that he couldn't be persuaded to do otherwise, even in the face of beatings and persecution and rejection and trial and jail and being bitten by a snake and shipwrecked at sea and um, facing death all the time itself. He was willing to die for the sake of the gospel. Even the disciples tried to persuade Paul. When Paul landed in Tyre and then later in Caesarea, they're trying to convince him not to go to Jerusalem for fear of death. In Acts 21, 13, Paul responds, Why are you weeping and breaking my heart? I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. 
When he would not be dissuaded, we gave up and said, the Lord's will be done. He says, I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. I'm amazed at Paul's commitment to the gospel, not even letting hardship or fear or death stand in the way of sharing what he knew to be the most important message of all time. We can ask ourselves, what stands in the way of me sharing my faith with someone else? What fears keep me from sharing the most important encounter or transformation that I've ever experienced? There have been times I've had the privilege to share my faith with others. And you know what the hardest thing I find in those places is what to share. I get caught up in sharing way too much and getting way too complicated about the story. And like Anthony shared last week, sometimes it's just a small seed that we need to plant. And in time that can grow and, and more questions can, can come and, and tell together with all the seeds that maybe have been dropped in time and have been planted, perhaps they too will accept Christ as their personal Savior as well. We can let the Holy Spirit do the work. We don't have to be the Savior. We can take the pressure off and just be focused on sharing the simple message of Christ with others. And my last point, point number four, is that Paul didn't minister alone. We aren't meant to do this alone. We all can have a part to play in sharing the message of truth. In Paul's missionary journeys, we, we never find him traveling alone. First, he's with Barnabas, and, and John joins them for a while. And then um, later on, he travels with Silas and, and Timothy, and others join him along the way as well. And they were well taken care of, too, by the church of believers as they traveled. They were fed and, and encouraged and supported by the body of Christ. We are not meant to do this journey alone. And in Acts 28, we find Paul is encouraged by the support of the believers around him. Acts 28, 15, the brothers and sisters there had heard that we were coming. And they traveled as far as the forum of Appius and the three taverns to meet us. At the sight of these people, Paul thanked God and was encouraged. We do need each other as we continue this mandate to share the gospel, life-giving message of Jesus Christ to the world around us. How much more important is it that we support and that we encourage one another in this mission? And be reminded that if we do find ourselves alone at times, that we have the power of the Holy Spirit that goes with us as well. I think that the world today, more than ever, needs to hear this good news of Jesus. Now more than ever, people are yearning for hope. And we are the carriers of hope that are seeking Jesus Christ, the light of the world. God used Paul to impact the nations of Christ, to take the message to the ends of the earth as he knew it, Paul was one of the most, as we learned, passionate, bold, motivated, committed, focused followers of Jesus, willing to take any opportunity and any risk, no matter what the cost, to share about hope that he had in Jesus Christ to the broken and dying world around him because he knew that was the best message that they could ever hear. 
He let his passion be the message of Jesus. What part can we play today? We might not think of ourselves as a Paul, but what part can we play today to bring the hope to a discouraged and a hopeless world? Are we joining alongside of those that are speaking negatively and cynical about things? Or are we bringing the hands and feet of Jesus, bringing restoration to the brokenness, light where there is darkness, comfort where there might be sorrow, joy where there is sadness, peace where there is distress or, or chaos, life where there is death. We are called to help set the prisoners free. We are set apart to bring this message of good news that brings hope to people. In God's strategy to save the world, there is no contingency plan in sharing the message of Jesus. We are his master plan. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you have called us to be partners with you in this world. Lord, we know that you have spoken and said to us that things in this world are not going to be easy. Lord, I pray right now that you would begin to build fires in us to be the best light that we can be in this dark world. Light that shines and brings you glory, Father. I pray, God, that we will use every opportunity before us to shine the light like you want us to, Father so that everyone can know the good news of you, Jesus, in our lives. Lord, I pray that we will not let hardship stand in the way of our love for you and our passion for you and the hope that we have, that we know is beyond even this world. I pray today for everyone that's watching that you would minister to them right now and remind them that you are a God that loves you are a God that pursues and that you are a God that is with us. We thank you that we can partner with you in being carriers of hope to this hurting world. Lord, we just ask that you would continue to lead and guide us. Holy Spirit, lead and guide us in this coming week to be shining lights for you. In Jesus' name, amen.